In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. As you can imagine, as priests, we get a lot of questions. Some are ponderings on one's life. Some are ponderings on the Bible. Some concern liturgical practices. Why do you bow at the name of Jesus? Why are there two creation stories in Genesis? Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> That's a common one. Sometimes I have an answer. Sometimes I don't. Questions are holy in nature. We question things in order to understand, to gain insights, to challenge the norm and the accepted. One of the hardest questions that I get as a priest is, what does God want for my life? I usually chuckle and think, heck, some days I don't even know what God wants for my life, left alone yours. Unfortunately, priests aren't given that ability at ordination to decipher specifics about God's will for one's life. I'll take that up with God later. It is a repugnant answer to most, and for me personally, every day consists of asking that very question. What does God want for my life? However, what I do know for certain is that there are two guiding principles that I firmly believe can help us discern an answer to this question. But before I give them to you this morning, let's frame our gospel reading. We find ourselves at the start of Jesus's ministry here in Matthew. Right before this, Jesus is tempted in the desert, and we'll have more to say about that in Lent, so come back. Right after our reading this morning, we find that Jesus' popularity is soaring among the communities. However, in this reading this morning, a few things are taking place. John the Baptist has been arrested, or given up to the authorities, a foreshadowing or a precursor to Jesus' arrest later on. We then tend to gloss over the section where it names the area where Jesus' ministry begins. The significance, though, is important. This area, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, was by tradition the first lands to be assimilated by Assyria. Thus, it is fit fitting that they be the first to be restored through the ministry of Christ, to be liberated. Once the scene is set, we then get the calling of the first disciples, leaving their families and careers to join up with Jesus, literally leaving behind the very things that give them, at least seemingly, life. Then we get this, almost a throwaway sentence at the end of our passage, 
that Jesus goes out proclaiming the good news and healing the sick. Now, there's a lot going on in this passage, but what stands out to me are two ideas. And these two ideas are, I firmly believe, the start to answering that hard question that I posed at the beginning of my sermon. What does God want for my life? In this passage, we get the guiding principles of God's hope for humanity. They are gathering and restoration. God has always been in the business of gathering humanity together, both with God and with each other. It is our hopes, our hope as Christians to be gathered back with God, both in this life and in the life to come. We do this in a multitude of ways. We gather together every week, welcome, as the body of Christ to seek out the risen Christ in our worship, in our formation classes, in the meals that we share. We are gathered together in the work we do with the Guatemala Medical Mission, our food pantry, our Eucharistic visits, and in our support of the Syrian Relief Task Force, among others. In each of these moments, we find ourselves not only gathered with the visible body of Christ, each other, but we also find ourselves being pulled closer to God. Secondly, God's hope for us is to be restored back to health. Health meaning our true selves and nature. It wouldn't be enough for us to just be gathered together, you see. We are looking to be brought back to what we were originally created for, and that was a blessing. Harken back with me to our Genesis story. We were created to bless the earth, to care for God's creatures and each other. Jesus begins his ministry by doing just these things. He goes to the land that was first exiled to begin to gather his flock. He gathers his first disciples, and then he begins to restore by healing in body, mind, and spirit, as we will later find out in later chapters of Matthew. If gathering and restoration is the basis for Jesus' ministry, if it is God's hope for us, then surely we can begin here when we are trying to discern God's plan for our lives. What is going to bring me closer to God and my neighbor? What is going to bring me closer to God's original intent for the human race? What are the roadblocks that are in my path that are keeping me from being a blessing or from flourishing as one of God's beloved? What are some things I need to let go of, like the disciples had to let go of? By the way, these same questions can be asked for us as a church, too. How can St. Peter's be a place of gathering and restoration? 
What are things impeding us from this holy work? So, beloved, let us be seekers after the risen Christ, who gathers us together in one body and restores us to our true selves. May we never lack in zeal in searching out those things that draw us closer to God and each other, and doing away with those things that impede us to the fullness of salvation. May we find strength to say yes to the call, follow me, as the disciples did so long ago. And we ask these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.